market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. For Douglas Ross to stand there and talk about losing grip of a party when he has been leader, the Conservatives have had the longest attempted coup in Scottish political history. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's politics podcast, where we discuss and dissect all the latest goings-on in Holyrood and across the wider world of Scottish politics. I'm Alistair Grant, the Scotsman's political editor, and I'm joined today, as always, by Rachel Amory, the Scotsman's political correspondent. Christmas is almost upon us. I think it's literally now less than two weeks away. The season of goodwill, good cheer, festive revelry, but in Holyrood, it also means the season of tax cuts and... Well, sorry, tax, potential tax rises and spending cuts because nothing says Christmas quite like a £1.5 billion financial black hole. So that's the Scottish budget, obviously going to be published on Tuesday next week. It's pretty much the talk of Holyrood at the moment. There's lots of speculation about what First Minister Hamza Youssef might choose to do as part of that budget, financial challenges that ministers are facing. And we've been inundated with warnings about the struggle to balance the books. A Scottish Government Minister's warning this will be the most difficult budget since the dawn of devolution. Uh, economic experts agreeing with that. We'll dig into all of that shortly, but first, we're recording this in, on Thursday. We're sitting here in the Scottish Parliament in a deserted committee room, which is where we record the podcast just after First Minister's questions. And it was a pretty a pretty grim state of affairs at FMQs as well, actually, Rachel, wasn't it? Yes, it was interesting you mentioning Christmas there because some parts of the Parliament right now are feeling very festive. All the Christmas decorations are out. Um, Christmas dinner was served in the canteen today at lunchtime. <laughs> and there was also um, the parliamentary choir singing Christmas carols. Oh, really? I thought yeah. you missed that. Yeah, they were singing White Christmas when I went down. So it was actually quite nice. It was feeling quite festive. But then when you then unfortunately go behind the curtain into the actual workings of what's going on in Parliament today, it is very grim and not very Christmassy at all. So first of all, questions. Um, I think first up... First Minister wasn't there. Hamza Youssef is apparently unwell, so Shona Robertson was stepping in to proceedings today. I, f- I feel like she maybe struggled a wee bit. I don't yeah. know if that's just because she wasn't given a lot of time, maybe, perhaps, to prepare for it. But previously, when Shona Robertson stepped in, she was just managed reasonably well. I, I just felt like today was maybe a bit, bit kind of over, all over the place a little bit. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, no, I, I think she actually struggles to be quite convincing mm-hmm. at FMQs. She doesn't seem as comfortable at it as... Hamza Yusuf, uh, not nearly as comfortable as someone like Nicola Sturgeon, who mm. was in a, a kind of different league altogether. I suppose uh, um, right now her head will be in the budget, I suppose, won't it? It'll be in the budget. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not it's not a role she usually fills, but I think she just struggles to, yeah, she struggles to make it her own. She struggles to make a kind of presence in the parliament, I think. Yes, well, the main focus today at FMQs was ambulance waiting times. We've not had an ambulance waiting times debate in FMQs for a wee while now. Um, But basically, this is on the back of a BBC investigation, which found that ambulances are waiting for hours outside A&E. I think one in ten are waiting around two hours. Some Conservatives today said there was a 15-hour wait for one. Douglas Lumsden, he's a Conservative MSP up in the North East, he said that his dad had to wait six hours 
in ambulance outside A&E. So it's obviously a big problem, perhaps not one that we were sort of immediately aware of until today, really. I'm sure if there's anybody working in the health profession listening to us, they're probably screaming at us thinking this has been a problem for ages and how you not noticed. So that's what the focus was today. And yeah, it was it was pretty grim, wasn't it? Sean Robinson did apologise, saying that she's apologising for anyone who has to wait, whether it's for the ambulance to get to them or for when they're then at hospital waiting in the ambulance. But um, yeah, it's, it's not going to be good news for anyone who works in the health service or anyone who's potentially worried about their loved ones over the Christmas period. Yeah, we do hear these stories about ambulance waiting times, mm-hmm. about ambulances being forced to kind of wait outside hospitals for long periods of time. I mean, getting away from her performance, you know, the, the kind of, I suppose, the surface of her performance. How do you think Shona Robison handled the substance of this? Mm. Like we said, she should apologise for it. But again, as is quite common with the SNP government here, it's sort of trying to sort of reflected back saying well actually this is a problem all over the UK it's not a problem unique to Scotland sort of trying to again say we're only able to deal with what we've money we've been given from Westminster so again trying to sort of pin it on other people here which is which we to we've seen quite a lot recently from the SNP and particularly in recent years since sort of pandemic times but this doesn't really comfort anybody because it's not really providing these solutions is it it's not yeah. really a solution as to what to do here and to me, it felt like quite a tired FMQs in a yeah, sense. Yeah, I think that. I think everyone's just partly in Christmas mode, partly in budget mode. I think everyone was kind of saying, right, right let's go and get FMQs done, right? Let's go and get it done. Yeah. It didn't feel like there was the sort of the drama and excitement that you sometimes see at FMQs. Quite often school groups come in to watch it in the chamber and I've, I kind of felt a bit sorry for the school groups in today being like, oh God, this is what you have to sit through every week. Because <laughs> you were actually up in the chamber. Yes. Um, so I, t- I think the atmosphere just wasn't, I mean, it just seemed like, like you say, people are kind of passing time ahead of the budget. I mean, this is obviously a huge issue. It's something that both political parties, this Conservatives and Labour, like to raise health issues. We're coming into a time of year in which that's incredibly important. And yet there just didn't seem to be a lot of energy in it. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the other questions, so the questions that Douglas Ross and Anna Sauer put forward, we don't necessarily get to know what they are ahead of time. But the other questions, they're all written down in the schedule beforehand and there's plenty of time to prepare for them. And some of those questions just seemed a bit... Uh, like there's a question, I think, from Jilly McKay on, like, free bus toilet under 22s. And there's a few other questions that just didn't seem to have much excitement about them. So I wonder if it is just a case of, well, let's get, let's fill, fill the time with what we've got until we get to the budget. Yeah, I think some of these kind of questions that, like you say, are the ones that we kind of know are coming, uh, sometimes have the impression of being a bit scripted. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're quite so boring. Some built very scripted today, particularly the ones that were coming from SNP or Green members, yeah. But I suppose from one kind of depressing scenario to another... There's two this week, goodness. Well, <laughs> obviously, we've touched on the budget. I'm sure people listening to this will have, will have seen some of the reporting around this. And in the past couple of days, there's been lots of speculation about Humza Yusuf being poised to introduce a new tax band for higher earners, a new income tax band. Um, basically, as the Scottish government grapples with this eye-watering £1.5 billion funding shortfall for next year. Now, I was on a... Uh, a kind of briefing with the respected Fraser of Allender Institute at Strathclyde University just straight after First Minister's questions, actually, where they were set, kind of setting out some of the analysis they've done around this. They're obviously a, a kind of economic research institute. They've been looking at some of the, the decisions the Scottish Government might make, the impact of them. And they were essentially saying that even with a kind of income tax raise of that kind, that essentially significant spending cuts are likely to still be required to plug that gap. So we're looking at a situation where you might have a, another tax band being introduced, but also significant spending cuts. And we had a story in today's paper about Nature Scott, the public body responsibility for the Scotland's natural 
heritage. And it's been told to expect, we understand, a spending cut of around 15%. But that'll just be, you know, that's just one area. This will be like a, across the board. I'm sure like lots of different aspects of public spending will be extremely concerned about next week's budget. I mean, essentially, difficult decisions lie ahead, don't they? Yeah, so as you were saying, this is going to affect, well, potentially, if it does come in, come into to, to effect in the budget, it's going to be those earning between 75,000 and 125,140. So on the upper end, not the highest earners, but definitely on the upper end of things. And this tax plan will be a 45% levy. It has been sort of claimed that this could raise around £92 million, which is a lot of money. But um, the Razor of Allen's Institute, which you were speaking about there, says this is a, a big overestimation. It could only be around £39 million, which, you know, a lot of money. Let's that's millions, that's definitely a lot of money. But like you said, £1.5 billion black hole. It's a very risky move, I think, politically for what's not even going to touch the sides, really. So without getting into the kind of nitty gritty of this, because it can just get extremely complicated. Uh, I mean, one of the things the Fraser Valander Institute looked at was a kind of new 44p rate for those earning above £75,000, uh, which they said would only raise around £40 million once you've taken behavioural change mm-hmm. and kind of behavioural, the behavioural impact of this into account. So that's people perhaps choosing to work less hours because of the tax Im- impact that could have, perhaps changing how they receive their income. People in higher salaries can, in certain situations, can choose to receive it as dividends, for example, and avoid paying income tax that way. Uh, it could even be things like people choosing not to move to Scotland who otherwise would have done just because they'd be put into this bracket, people getting taxed at a higher rate. Uh, and when you think about it, introducing a new tax band for that section of higher earners and potentially suffering the backlash that that would cause. I mean, you're going to have newspaper front pages, you're going to have... I'd imagine all newspaper front pages are going to be that if that is what happens on Tuesday. Yeah, you're going to have some form of backlash to this. I mean, is it really worth it for them when you're only talking about £40 million? I mean, that's not an in- insignificant amount, it has to be said. It's a lot of money. But in the context of this £1.5 billion black hole, it starts to look quite small. Mm-hmm. I think that's the problem, isn't it? It's, it's There's so much more that needs to be done. And this, this is very, very risky when it comes to their popularity with the people. And I suppose it's one of these things, if you're struggling to meet Keynes meet and you're in a tax ban that this this isn't going to affect you, you probably are thinking like, yeah, people should pay more. But I suppose if you're in that tax ban, you are then thinking about these decisions of what am I going to do with my work? How am I going to work things? Do I move to Scotland? Do I not? And I think employers as well, particularly in certain um, businesses, I'm, I'm thinking like IT, some sort of IT businesses and things like that who potentially pay their employees a lot they might then be considering like how many people to be hire in Scotland, that kind of thing too. So there are other implications to think about here, but yeah, it seems like a quite a risky move for potentially not a lot. Yeah, because yeah. it seems to be that 44p rate that's the one that has got the traction in the last couple of days as a potential move that they could do. And as I say, there's just so many things that come into play there. I mean, the other aspect of this, I think, is that obviously Hamza Yusuf at the SNP conference back in October announced this council tax freeze that he said would be fully funded. We've yet to find out what fully funded actually means. Yeah, but that's one thing that a lot of people, particularly council leaders and council finance officers, are still getting quite angsty about at the moment because they don't know and they're not probably going to find out until Tuesday. And there's been lots of warnings about councils declaring a bankruptcy um, Technically not bankruptcy, because that doesn't exist in Scotland, but essentially the same thing, because they just can't make ends meet, they can't balance their books. And so 
I think we had something earlier this week, actually a quarter of councils are at risk of that. That's yeah. a lot. We don't know which councils these are, but that's an awful lot of councils who potentially aren't going to be getting enough money to get to get through. So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a lot of things that are going to go wrong, I think, at this point, unless the budget is done really, really well on Tuesday. Yeah, and I think the Fraser of Allender Institute were saying that basically that fully funded council tax freeze would cost upwards of £300 million. So you're talking about a substantial chunk of money on this pledge that was made at the SNP conference, which, you know, lots of people would say is not progressive because it benefits mm-hmm. those who are in the kind of higher earning bracket. And yet those higher earners are also going to be potentially moved into this new tax ban. So it's, I just, it seems to be quite a confusing narrative that's developing around this, around this budget. And I think that's one of the problems. Usually when you when you publish a budget and when you stand up, you know, in, in this case, it'll be Shona Robinson when she stands up in Holyrood and presents the budget and gives her speech. You want to have a kind of narrative, a narrative that you're pushing. You know, lots of times under Nicola Sturgeon, it'd be this focus on, you know, kind of poverty, stuff like measures that would help close the attainment gap, this kind of presenting themselves as progressive and forward thinking in, in those kind of ways. And Hamza Yusuf is seen as to the left of mm-hmm. the SNP. But this budget just seems to be, certainly the trails we're getting, or, or trails is probably the wrong word, the hints we're getting, it's quite confusing. I mean, if we're struggling to understand the heads and tails of all of this, I feel so sorry for anybody else who's paying tax out there and doesn't follow politics every day, because how are they going to understand any of this, really? It is very, very complicated. But yeah, I think we're, we're hearing as well that people in the government cabinet are not happy at the moment. There's still disagreements with between certain members of the of the cabinet as well. We know there was the emergency um, cabinet meeting, was it last week, I think? Yeah. Well, not on president, it is very unusual. So it's clearly causing rifts and causing upset already. And that's before we've even seen the budget. Yeah. And obviously the spending cuts are going to have to happen somewhere. The axe is going to have to fall in some areas of public spending. You would think, you know, traditionally the health service, for example, has been protected. There's other aspects of the Scottish government budget that they're obviously going to want to focus on. But yeah, I mean, there's going to have to be cuts somewhere. So they're not going to be able to keep everyone happy. And essentially come Tuesday, we're going to have a lot of a lot of unhappiness, I think. I don't think anybody's going to be happy. So you think, think about the health budget, for example. You could put the entire budget completely on health. <laughs> Theoretically, let's just say that. It's still never going to be enough. There's still going to be more that needs done. There's still going to be areas that can't get funded. So, yeah, it's just, it's an impossible task and one that I do not envy Shona Robinson for. I don't think many people will be envying her this, this week, next time, next week. Because there's just so much to do and no one's going to be happy from it. Yep. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. That happens on Tuesday next week. Yeah, there'll be a lot of a lot of fallout from that. I think the fallout will last weeks, potentially months. Obviously, the Scottish budget itself will come in the new year. This is just a draft of their tax and spending plans. But essentially, you know, it's a grim outlook at the moment. <laughs> I, I know, and, it's, and this is just for Christmas. I feel like we should be like getting a bit more jolly and everything yeah, for Christmas. It feels like every every year it seems to get the warnings seem to get more and more grim. But I think there really is a sense now that. Things are kind of coming to a head. Well, somebody said it was going to be the worst budget since devolution. I mean, that's pretty pretty dire. Fraser Valander have that in the report. It's the most challenging financial backdrop to a budget process in the history of devolution, which is quite... You know, quite something. We're talking about, about 25 it, years almost. Yeah, and you think about it, like going through the recession in 2008 and thinking about the pandemic years and all that kind of stuff. And to think that this is going to be worse potentially yeah. um, is quite daunting. 
well, on that, <laughs> Merry Christmas. On that, on that cheery thought, from Holyrood to Westminster and our political correspondent in Westminster, Alexander Brown, who has the latest on the fallout from the Rwanda legislation. Hello and welcome to the Westminster Session Podcast. My name is Alexander Brown and it has been a bruising week that Rishi Sunak has somehow survived. This week, the government brought forward its emergency legislation on Rwanda for a second reading, which after a full day of Downing Street courting, having breakfasts with and desperately trying to convince Tory rebels on the party's right to vote for it, they failed. Uh, instead, the Tory right decided to abstain, vowing to amend the bill at a later stage. Now, first sight, this seems like it's a good day for the government. They had a bill and it passed. But it's not that simple. This is a second reading. It is impossible. The very idea that you could lose a second reading as party of government is alien. That's not something that really ever happens. That hasn't happened for more than 20 years. But going forward... This isn't good news for Rishi Sunak. He may have passed a bill, but it's created a huge headache for him that will come to a head in the new year. At third reading, the left of his party, the One Nation Caucus, have vowed to amend it to make sure it complies with international law. However, if these amendments don't go through, they could be inclined to vote against it. On the other hand, you have the Tory right, the ERG, the... Uh, common sense group, the new conservatives, or or as Mark Francois is calling them, the five families, who are calling for more extreme amendments. They want to push the law uh, and the bill even further to try and make sure that international courts can't hold the UK government to account for trivial things such as international law. The problem is, any of these amendments go up, it'll get voted down by the left. Any amendments from the left, it'll get voted down by the right of the Conservative Party. And this all comes for a bill that I've spoken to ministers who they dislike it. They have asked Downing Street to think again. And Downing Street are basically saying, we've gone too far. And even now, the government can't say if this bill is actually legal. So we're going to a third reading with a bill that could be illegal. Any amendments from the Tory right will make it illegal. And if it does get, <laughs> if it does go to a vote, they will vote it down anyway. And when Rishi Sunak has made his whole thing about being someone who can stop the boats and reduce immigration... With this policy, which no one really expects to stop the boats or to be legal, if this does not happen, it's hard to see how his premiership isn't dead in the water. It is hard to see how this isn't a vote of confidence in his future and one that he will fail. I mean, the, the, the view in Westminster among MPs, even his allies, is that he's done. He won't be leader after the next election and he certainly won't be prime minister. But it feels like after this week, that's a process that's only going to speed up. Thank you so much for listening, and there'll be more chaos, I'm sure, just in time for Christmas, and if not, in the new year. Thanks, Alex, and that's all we've got time for. Thanks, Rachel. Please tune in next week to the Steamy, where we'll have a probably be talking about the budget, I would have thought. We'll probably maybe have a look back in the year as well. Maybe a bit well. more cheery, closer to Christmas, hopefully a bit more cheer on. Try and make it slightly more cheerier, uh, but I'm sure there'll be lots of stuff to talk about after Tuesday, as I say. A lot of fallout from that, um, a lot of groups who will want to have their say. Mm. But until then, thanks very much. Cheers. <laughs>